The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast here live on the Green Room um, Spotify app. I'm here with my co-host, as usual, Lucas Gaynor. My name is Patrick Lounsbury. We're going to be covering and breaking down the Boston Celtics-Toronto Raptors game two of the season. How are you doing today, Lucas? How are we feeling, man? I know it was a bad loss, but, um, you know, we got punched in our mouth at the Garden, man. How do you feel? Listen, as far as me, you know, it's another ba- another day above ground, so I can't really complain. Uh, but as far as somebody who is a Celtics fan, man, uh, it was pretty rough last night and today. Uh, a thorough beating in our home in our home stadium uh, to the point where the fans started booing as the players were leaving. Uh, that might be a record for me. I've never seen Celtics fans boo in game two. That might be the earliest uh, in the season that I've ever. Yeah, man, that was the first time we had an actual full garden of, of fans in over 500 days. 500 days, man, and that's how we come out, just flat, disgusting. Ugh, man, what a what a game that makes you just want to puke, man. But uh, we're going to break down the game. Before that, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at HoopBallCeltics. You can also follow um, Lucas at Lucas underscore Gainer. You can also follow me at Opinions. Or anything that's Celtic related, I tweet during throughout the game. What my comments through the game and everything like that. Um, I watch every game most of the time live, so you can always see me what live tweeting as well. Yeah. Um, I usually will live tweet, but I did. I had no thoughts to. Uh, I didn't even know what to put out on Twitter this past game, so my timeline was silent. But usually, I will also live tweet the games. But I don't even know. I, I didn't feel like tweeting offensive rebound turnover seventy times during the game, but. Uh, yeah, Patrick, why don't you kick us off, man? Well, I just what are your general thoughts about this past game? I feel like, you know, I've made myself pretty clear here, but well, let me just get your general thoughts from uh from the second game of the year. Yeah, man. Um seeing the starting lineup, uh, I wanted to just say that Al Horford's good, man. He's so good. Al Horford is like the little shining point in this in this whole whole thing. We'll see him out there. I know he's on minute restrictions and everything like that. Um some other takeaways that were frustrating, I felt like rotations were off uh, a bit. I don't like how they staggered the lineups. I didn't like some of the lineups during, throughout the game. I didn't like some of the effort. I know a lot of that effort was put on, like, maybe Brad Stevens can't – he got it, whatever he could out of these guys and he no longer want to, you know, play for them. But now you got a new coach in here and the same issues are popping up with the effort, and that is where it gets a little bit more concerning. Yeah, the effort, honestly um, – on offense was was really bad, and on the glass, I would say, were obviously the two places where it stuck out. So a number of possessions where it was just one pass and a shot, or there wasn't a lot of movement off ball. Um, you know, the defense, uh, I know we were talking about this pregame. Um, the defense wasn't terrible tonight uh, for the most part, you know. I think you said, what did, they sh- what did the, the Celtics hold the Raptors to in the first half? I think you said 35% from the field and 16 from three. 18 from three, but yeah, 35 and 18. Yeah, and we still managed to be down four at halftime. <laughs> Excuse me. So that definitely says something to me about the effort in the other areas of the game because the Celtics were d up pretty well in the first half, honestly, throughout the game. And, 
And we were actually shooting well in the first half. We shot 47% from the field and 38% from three. So we were we were shooting well on offense. The problem is we gave up 15 offensive rebounds, and we had 12 turnovers in that first half. And those are two numbers you never, ever want to hear. And arguably an entire game, but definitely not in the first half of a game. 12 turnovers and 15 offensive rebounds in one half of basketball. I don't know. You pretty much aren't going to win any game where the- yeah, man. And then uh, we also did it in front of our boy, Paul Pierce, showed up. Danny Ainge was in the building for the game. Um, right off the get-go, too, in that first quarter, there was just careless turnovers to start for Boston. They had no shot attempt in the very first minute. Instead, they had two turnovers. The first minute of the game was just two turnovers, no shot attempt. Like, Jesus, man. And then Tatum missed a, a shot pretty badly, and then he had a free throw attempt, and it hit right the front of the rim. And I was just thinking, like, well, looks like we're just not going to show up today or something like that. But – um, you know, Tanner ended up getting going a little bit there in that first uh, first quarter and second quarter. First half, he played pretty well, and, and they just kind of got lost in the offense, and the offense just turned over the ball before they can kind of get it back to him and stuff. So some frustrating things there as well. Yeah, um, they definitely – yeah, opening the game with back-to-back turnovers <clears throat> is never, ever, obviously – that's not a good sign. But I do think in the first quarter, I mean, they played relatively well. I mean – uh, I think my favorite player, uh, my favorite play, excuse me, was uh, was smart, um, smart stopping a two on one fast break by himself. Um, you know what play I'm talking about? Yeah, that was my yes. favorite play. I mean, individually, Tatum went on a little run. He scored eight straight points. Um, but the first quarter, I would say, is where most of the bright spots were for me. Um, you know, outside of that, it was a pretty rough day at the office. Yeah, I think my bright spot of the game play-wise was when Al Horford was playing on the perimeter side, and I think it was Van Vliet that tried to shoot over him. He blocked the the perimeter shot, three-point attempt, ends up kicking it out to uh, Jason Tatum in the fast break. Jason Tatum ends up throwing up a lob to Jalen Brown. I thought that was just yeah. a beautiful um, display of defense leading to easy offense. On top of it, the Celtics had 11 blocks to the Toronto Raptors, too. Like The Celtics were blocking shots. I think Al Horford had five alone. Robert Williams had, like, four of himself. It was just a block party. Like I said, the defense wasn't terrible. At the end of the day, it was just giving up too many offensive rebounds and also just turning over the ball too much. And they also got outshot the free throw line. They gave up 21 free throws, and Toronto Raptors hit all 21 free throws, which was insane. And Celtics only had 11. So 10, 10 less shots at the free throw line and then 18 less shots in the whole entire game. That's a recipe for a blowout. Yeah, the Raptors just played, to me, uh, with so much more force. And I think that's evident by the statistics we're listing off. Um, whether it be offensive rebounds, uh, fouls drawn, uh, tur- like turnovers caused, points off turnovers. They just really felt like they took it to the Celtics. And, um, yeah, the effort level was just not there to match it. Toronto – um, I was watching the game on Canada's broadcast, and um, Scotty Barnes, in his interview after the game, said that, uh, you know, they put their – he said something to the effect, not verbatim, but he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, we put on our foot on the gas pedal and we never took it off. Every single play we kept coming and we kept coming. And that is exactly, I think, a very apt description of what happened. They never stopped. Um, they never stopped going hard. They never stopped attacking the hoop. Um, and it feels like the Celtics never even started any of that, really. I mean, like you said – the half-court defense and the defense was good, but 
It's pretty hard to play good defense on a three and two fast break when these guys are running full steam um, down the court and you know making good passes. Uh, most notably, I would say Scotty Barnes really impressed me in this game, but uh, with his passing, but. You know, it's pretty impossible to play defense in a three-on-two when it's just happening over and over and over again. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just – I'm honestly – I don't know. I'm not – I'm definitely not like a, taking a doomer mentality or super worried because, you know, I think that for the first 10 games of the NBA season, we see this year after year after year is that things are a little different. You know, things are a little weird in the beginning, the first 10 or whatever games, 7 to 12 games. Yeah, I'm a big 15 to 20 game guy where you got to get a sample size, new coaching staff, everything like that, a lot of new personnel. Right. So got to get some consistency. Yeah, I just don't want to sound like, you know, the sky is falling. That's not necessarily how I feel. It was just an individually, it was a bad game. Um, And I'm sure, you know, the next game the Celtics will look better. Obviously, you know, they're going to watch this on film, and it's going to be impossible not to see a lot of these mistakes that were made. Um, from the turnovers to the rebound. So, you know, I, I don't want to act like, you know, oh, what was me? The sky's falling. But, um, you know, this game was as, as worrisome, I would say, as game two could be for me. But with that being said, like you're saying, 15, 20 games, man. Let's see what things look like before we really rush to any, uh, you know, big judgments. Absolutely. But, I mean, also we got to hold some players accountable for – how they performed and everything, just like we held Jason Tatum accountable for his game one. He came out in this one. He shot 8 of 14 from the field. He had 18 points. Um, overall, overall, he played a, a pretty good game. He just had five turnovers, so he definitely was one of the people with a lot of turnovers. Jalen Brown matched him with the five turnovers as well, but Jalen Brown was a one-off. He shot 3 of 13, 0 of 7 from deep. And had only nine points, you know, like he was, he was not great. He was really, really, really bad. And then on top of it, it doesn't help that Marcus Smart went 0-6 and, and had zero points on it. Marcus Smart is a starting point guard for this team, played 29 minutes, the second most on a team, and he didn't even score a bucket. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely not a good sign. Honestly, six shots to me, I don't know how you feel about this, Patrick, but Six shots is not enough for Marcus for me. Um, I know he's the point guard, but I would definitely like him taking more than just six. Um, you know, get to the hoop. You know, he's got a good touch inside. He's a good post game. I know he can get easier buckets than just threes. Um, you know, I will say I'm glad, you know, people kill Marcus for taking bad shots when he's not making them. So I will give Marcus props. He didn't keep forcing up threes. He wasn't taking terrible shots. Um, you know, obviously he didn't play a good game. Um, but that's something I could, you know, maybe give him a little bit of credit for. And then as far as Jalen goes, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but this is about as easy a prediction as you could probably have seen coming. Man just had COVID, coming off a monster double overtime game. Um, you know, he's probably going to be pretty gassed. Uh, you know, maybe have a little bit of an emotional letdown after that crazy game, um, game one. Like you said, you know, it was probably the game of the year, game one. So, uh, you know, it's in the garden, coming back, like in the Madison Square Garden, now you come back home. I could see how there might be a little bit of a letdown there uh, physically and mentally on Jalen's side. But um, I don't know. There's really no excuse for a lot of the things that happened tonight. And I think, you know, it's best that the Celtics as a team just, you know, move on. Let's get to the next game, uh, you know, understand what we did wrong in this game and, you know, try to keep it pushing. Yeah, I think Ime made a big point after this game of, of stating some things and just overall just, just not going to tolerate some things and, um, he had a good quote. It wasn't. I'm not, I don't know where for work. So the quote pulled up in front of me. But he he had mentioned something regarding it. You know, this was his guys may have felt a little gassed um, from that double overtime game. They did take yesterday off though, or the day prior of the game off, 
instead of having practice. So they were able to have a full day's rest. And then they went into that game and played terrible. But Ime was pointed out that the Knicks went and won their game. They went down to Orlando and was able to win um, their second game after going into a, a double overtime with us. So there's no excuse at the end of the day. You know, you're supposed to go out there, you're supposed to perform. And if, you know, the Knicks are able to play after a double overtime game, why can't we, you know? So I like that Ime is going to hold that type of standard to, to as far as that goes. And then I also want to go a little bit more on Ime here uh, as well. But just as far as his rotations go, I didn't agree with a lot of uh, times. Uh, three minutes left in that first quarter, he had put in Dennis Schroeder, Peyton Pritchard, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and Grant Williamson. That was the five on the floor. Richardson at the three, Romeo at the four, Grant at the five, Pritchard at the two. Just a very undersized team that got uh, absolutely abused. They were playing good defense and forcing you know, tough looks. But the problem was the Raptors were getting like four opportunities because they just kept getting their own rebound. Yeah. Um, yeah, that lineup, man. I mean, can you just say that for us one more time, real quick, Patrick? The the Dennis Pritchard Richardson Romeo Grant. Yeah, that's not gonna get it done. I mean, you know, maybe in a different situation against a smaller team, you can roll that out for a couple minutes. Um but I do not I don't like that lineup at all, honestly. Um there's not a ton of self creation there. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, they were undersized. That lineup is going to get killed on the glass. Um, like you said, you know, I don't know if it was before the pod, um, Grant, you know, Grant shed that weight. So it's kind of weird to see him at the five again, man. Um, but as far as, you know, what Emay said about the Knicks, you know, winning their game, part of me wants to say, okay, we played a better team than the Magic. But if we go down to Orlando uh, with the same effort level that we, we, we came out with against the Raptors, I don't know if the Celtics even beat the Magic, so I don't really think there's any defense. Uh, yeah, you know, they probably were tired, but um, he gave them the day off, and man, you got you got to just have a better performance than that because, I don't know, it was like, he's right, Ime's right. You know, the Knicks played the exact same set of circumstances and then, you know, went somewhere and, and won a game, and the Celtics lost in pretty spectacular fashion. So I agree. I like to see that Ime's holding them to that certain standard. Um, but, you know, personally, I still might cut them just a little bit of slack uh, myself. Yeah, and then also another another thing I, I I'm just curious what Emay's thinking is what happened to Aaron Eastsmith, man? He played four minutes tonight, uh, didn't get any run at all. And it's like you went with a really small lineup. Um, why Peyton Pritchard at the two? Why not Richardson at the at the two and then had Neesmith in that lineup at the three? At least Neesmith has that hustle, you know, he grinds. He he would have been flying all over the place trying to grab rebounds at least. Like if that was something that we were lacking was effort. Aaron Neesmith is like the perfect guy to come in and do the effort place to do the dirty place. So I just, it's been mind boggling to me that Aaron Neesmith got four minutes and didn't get really running. And his Cantor ended up playing more minutes than Aaron Neesmith. We'll see. Okay. Um, I just want to say, I totally agree with you right there. If there was anybody who could have made a positive impact, you know, with the effort, with the rebounds, um, who's not a big man, Neesmith is that guy. Like, you know, he's been knocked for, you know, sometimes playing like a chicken with its head cut off. But we could have used the chicken running around with its head cut off last night, you know, grabbing some rebounds, you know, just showing some hustle. Um, Ennis Cantor having the more minutes than Aaron Neesmith is not something I legitimately ever, ever want to hear, really, honestly, with this team. Um, I think we've seen Neesmith grow as a player. Patrick, 
you yourself convinced me to be more patient with Neesmith, and he's really grown on me as a player. Um, so I just think, you know, the value he adds, obviously Ime knows what he's doing. He's an NBA coach. He's a pop disciple. But, you know, as far as what Cantor brings and what uh, Neesmith brings, I personally love what Neesmith brings by like a thousand percent um, over Ennis Cantor. So that is frustrating to see. But um, and, you know, Ime did say he wasn't a guy who would experiment with his lineups in the regular season. Um, and if there's anything that lineup with uh, Pritchard, Schroeder, Romeo, Jay Rich, and uh, um, and Grant. If, if there's anything that lineup is, it is experimental. And Grant. Manuel says Jim Boylan was a pop disciple. You know, I just hope that uh, Ime is a lot better than Jim Boylan. That's all I have to say about that one right there. God. Yeah, man, it just made no sense. I mean, even Bruno Fernando would have made sense in that small lineup. Like, and he didn't even get to play. Hernan Gomez, like we saw him in the in the preseason, right, and how much effort he brought, and he crashed the boards. He was a good rebounder in the preseason. Why not let him run out there? I mean, he's going against some 6'9 Toronto Raptors, and instead you got Grant Williams out there, who's who's really more of a power forward. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, for example, like, Scotty Barnes is pretty much bigger than Grant Williams. And, like, so it's hard to run Grant at your five when you just have so many long, big guys. Honestly, I will say that... uh I do love the Raptors um, roster, and I do think that that is a team that every single night is going to make your life hell. Like, you know, they're going to be a great defensive team. They might struggle with scoring, but they have, you know, a couple guys in Precious who made some unbelievable plays. Precious and Boucher who can, you know, block shots, protect the rim for, you know, 20 minutes a game. But when you throw them around a bunch of six nine guys against like even you know the smallest guy Van Fleet man he's even a heck of a defender for a guy his size so I will give the Raptors some credit man I mean the Celtics they didn't play well but the Raptors like Scotty said they're gonna keep their foot on the gas they're gonna make your life hell I mean if you're not ready to uh, come out and execute against them every night so I, I do have to give the Raptors some credit yeah Raptors definitely got some credit they they came out here they they beat boston in a home in Boston's home opener and they didn't even have Pascal Siakam that's yeah, the that's craziest scary. part about it the, like uh, like this team this Toronto team wasn't even good. This was also the first time the Boston Celtics has had a fully healthy roster going into a game in God knows how long four hundred something days somebody told me four hundred and twelve days or something like that so you have a full healthy roster. Their team is missing one of their best players, and you just lose by 32. In, a, in the first time you've been in a full Boston Garden in like two years. That, this was a frustrating game. I mean, it was disappointing. Um, you know, I hope I'm not coming off like the sky is falling too much because I've preached over and over on this podcast, process over results. I mean, the process and the results of this game were terrible. So uh, that's disappointing. But like you said, 10, 15, 20 games. Um, if things, if, for example, if the Celtics are turning the ball over like this and letting the, um, letting other teams crash the glass and, you know, doing possessions with one pass and a shot in a month, uh, if this is what the Celtics look like, um, then you will be able to consider me, you know, worried and have real doubts. But, uh, right now I'm really trying not to let the sky fall too hard. No, I absolutely don't want the sky to fall too hard. But if you're upset about this game, you have every right to be pissed off. This was a game where it was not fun to watch the team. This team had too much reminiscence and too much of bad habits that just flashed me back to last year. 
on the effort side of things. And that's just not something we want to do. And especially a flashback of last year. Um, last year, Jason Tatum was called for a technical foul where he bounced the ball high in the sky and was like over his head and then he caught it again. He got called for a technical foul last year. You know what happened nine minutes into that third quarter? He did the same exact same thing. thing. Like, I don't even care if it's a stupid technical. I get it. The first time, stupid technical. Second time, you've been called for a technical for that, so why'd you do it again? Yeah, I do think that Tatum's got to uh, reel his emotions. Like, obviously, I want my play- like the players to be emotional because a lot of, you know, this game stems from emotions and effort and things like that. But, for example, there was a foul just at the end of the game where the Celtics weren't completely out of the picture yet. I mean, I think it might have been – I don't even remember if it was the third or fourth quarter – I think it was the fourth quarter where Tatum just basically committed just a terrible foul inside, basically just, you know, kind of pushed him or just it wasn't even a basketball play, man. And and you can't let your emotions get the best of you in games. You have to play games one at a time, uh, do your best to win that possession because, you know, you can't hit a grand slam in basketball. You know, you have to take it step by step, play by play in order to make a comeback in, uh, you know, letting your emotions get to your head and getting the best of you, getting a technical for slamming the ball, making silly fouls that aren't even basketball plays, man. That, that, that really cannot be acceptable. And I know this film session is about to be brutal uh, that the Celtics do. Uh, I hope they do it as a team um, because, gosh, there is a lot of things to go over. I mean, there was a moment in that third quarter where Marcus Smart turned over the ball and put his head down, and that ball went too fast break and went for an easy layup. Like, that's not even like that's not even Marcus Smart, man. What, what like who is controlling these people? Like, because that ain't the Celtics. No, listen, something's going on. Yeah, no, I'm with like, bro. That is so crazy that you say that because that is really not who Marcus is. Like. The Marcus, you know, of course he'll make a bad turnover, right? But what what do you see him usually do after he makes a bad turnover? At least put some effort and try to hustle back. He, does he always hustles in back. in his power to get that ball back. We've seen it uh, tens of dozens of times. And uh, so, you know, the whole team was just off tonight. Um, now, I'm really hoping that their, you know, the, their next game is uh, is much better than this one because I think they really do need a good bounce back game. Uh, we're down 0-2. Thank goodness we are, I mean, Maybe I won't speak too soon. I'll knock on some wood, but we're playing the Rockets tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So uh, that's a young team and an experienced team, yet a talented team, but a team that I think, you know, I'm not saying anything too crazy here. I think the Celtics should be able to handle the Rockets pretty pretty easily. But, you know, we'll see what happens because if they come out flat like they did uh, against the Raptors, man, a young, hungry, scrappy team, they'll be able to take advantage of that, no doubt. Yeah, and then also like in that third quarter as well. The, I know the refs were like bad at times, but that officiating is just mm-hmm. a part of the game. And like we've already we already went at Tatum about it, but like the whole team, man, you just can't be complaining. I know Tatum, Tatum probably should have went to the free throw line like five to six more times than he did. But when you sit there and whine about it, man, I mean, it's it makes me just be like, good, I'm glad they didn't call it because you're acting like a whiny. You're like you're whining out there, like. Literally get back on defense and then force them next time. Literally create so much contact, they have to call it. Like, that's my thing. Go up there, be aggressive, try to dunk it if you have to. If they fucking hack you, then then they hack you. But, like, at the same time, like, I just can't – I can't stand the the sitting there and stare at a ref. Like, the amount of times that I watched him stare at a referee was just insane. Especially when the ball is live, man. 
You can't. I mean, listen. I understand being J- T- Jason being frustrated with the officials and with the game, how the game was going. Because listen, Tatum didn't play like a terrible game. Like you said, you know, he shot pretty well. Um, he was, you know, he just didn't get enough shot attempts, obviously, because uh, you mentioned the Celtics were outshot by 18 shot attempts in this game, which it's always going to be hard to win when you take 20 less shots than the other team. Um, but just staring at the official while the ball is live, man, I don't think there's really an excuse for that. Um, and also, I think, you know, if you play basketball, uh, I know obviously I've never played, you know, at, at the NBA level, but the more you complain to a ref, I feel like the less likely they're going to be inclined to call a foul for you. If you're in their ear every time after you drive to the hoop, uh, your complaints are going to be null and void because you're complaining every time. So there's no way that, that you're getting fouled every single time. So, you know, the more you complain, I feel like the more that is going to make the referee, you know, likely to, you know, let a little contact slide next time you go to the hoop. Um, but, you know, honestly, like you said, the refs are part of the game. I'm not super worried about the refs. It's more about the attitude. Um, Ime specifically said, um, you know, like you said, he said, we're not going to be a team that bitches at the refs. That's a direct quote. Um, I wonder what he's going to do to enforce that because the players are not listening to that uh, that statement. So we'll really see how Ime responds to this, man. I'm really intrigued to see how our coaching staff does because, you know, it's all, like you said, a whole new coaching staff, guys like Damian Stoudemire, um, Ime Udoka, you know, former players. So I really can't wait to see what adjustments are made here uh, by our coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. And then that third quarter, I mean, we, we came all the way down from, we were, we were within two points, man. We came within two points in the third quarter. And then Gary Trent Jr. just goes on a run, and then the next thing you know, it went from a two-point lead to a 10-point lead. And then it went into an 18-2 run from Toronto in that third quarter. And then Tatum was just frustrated from the lack of calls. And then Toronto had 50 points in the paint and 15 second-chance points, and the Celtics were all of a sudden down 20 going into fourth quarter. Yeah, sorry, I was just um, – but, yeah. No, the points of the paint, I mean, Celtics just got big bodied. They got absolutely worked inside. I mean, what, I think it was the final The final points in the paint were, what, 58? Yeah, I believe it was. 58, 58 points in the paint, that, okay. 29 points off of turnovers. Like you said, 21 free throws. I mean, that's not even counting three. Like, I mean, some of those are threes in the points off turnovers, but a lot of those points off turnovers were layups, were inside. So, I mean, that's almost 90 points, right? I mean, that is pretty – that's almost 100 22 points. points on fast breaks. Yeah, they go 22 points on fast break. 22 points, yeah. I mean, so 22 points, Ooh. 21 free throws. That's 40, 43 plus 58 points in the paint. That's already over 100. We're not even factoring in all the threes they hit with that. I mean, it was just a losing effort from the Celtics tonight. I'm just excited to have a clean slate uh, tomorrow night and see see how the Celtics do again. Um it was. I can't. I cannot stress though. I, the sky's not falling, yeah. but this was. This was very disappointing to see. Yeah, this was a step backwards from game one. Like game one was pretty optimistic, but this one was was pretty bad. And then I, I wanted to go into a little bit more positive here. Is that uh, Romeo Langford played uh, a bit here, and is he was still hitting those corner threes, and so was Grant Williams. Like the corner threes are still a thing that uh, some of these guys are are starting to hit regularly. And I think that's something important to to start building on for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, no, I agree. I do think that um, no Romeo's jumper to me is real. Um, 
You know, obviously, you know, I don't want him taking probably eight threes a game, but when he's open in the corner or even a little bit above the break, man, catch and shoot, let that thing fly. Uh, looks really fluid still. Um, Josh Richardson, he made all four of his threes in this game. Um, so that was a positive sign. Um, and Grant, yeah, I think Grant, I've honestly think I've believed in Grant's jumper for a little while now. I mean, you know, he only took one, but he made it. Um, but, you know, he's been a pretty consistent shooter since that terrible stretch to start his career. Um, so I like Grant, you know, um, I like Grant behind the three-point line. So, yeah, that is good to see. Uh, Schroeder's jumper, however, I think it is apparent it's going to be pretty tough to uh, play um, Schroeder and Smart a lot together if Schroeder's not making his three-pointers. Um, same goes with Jay Rich. Like, if Schroeder and Jay Rich are playing, I mean, Jay Rich was 4-4 this game, but. You know, I know there were preseason concerns about the Celtics' backcourt not having enough shooting. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they will regress to the mean. Um, I do think Smart is a capable shooter. I think Dennis is a capable shooter. So that's something just to monitor going forward. Absolutely, yeah. But overall, man, the Celtics, you know, just didn't have a great game today. It is what it is. We put this one in the book and hopefully move forward and the Celtics start playing a lot better and, and just start building on some better habits. But uh, I have nothing else to kind of go over in this one. Did you have any other notes that you wanted to, to dive into here, Lucas? No, not really, man. Just like I said, clean slate, Sunday night game against a younger team, uh, really hoping the Celtics come out and kind of send a message. And listen, knowing – I mean, we've seen this before. You know, seeing knowing Jalen and Jason, who they are as players, knowing Marcus – uh, knowing Al, the leader he is, um, I'm I'm confident the Celtics are going to come out and win this game by a pretty healthy margin. Yeah, and then one more note I wanted to put out is, like, the Celtics just need somebody to step up to be that third reliable okay. score. They really do. Like, who is the third best score on this team? We need them, we need them to show up. I, I think it might end up being Hal Horford. But uh, they definitely need to find that third score. Yeah, I was going to say, before we call it a, call it a night, I was going to ask, yeah, who do you, who do you think – it will be, or, or and who do you think um, you want it to be? Because you know, I do like Horford, but I don't know if Horford is. I want, yeah, to, I want be it smart. to be smart too. Listen, that's why like, smart or Schroeder. Or that's Schroeder. exactly where my head is at. One of those two guys, um, because like I said, smart only taking six shots is not great, but I at least appreciate the fact he didn't keep jacking. But I think, I think, it, I don't know. Do you think it could be a mix of smart and Schroeder depending on the night? Do you think that's sustainable? I think yeah, it can be. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, so I will say, I, even if it's like even if it's like twelve or thirteen points from each of them, that contributes as a third. Exactly. Score. Yeah. Just uh, I, so I think so. I think I would keep an eye on one of those two for sure, because um, you know they have a little bit more in their bag than just you know being spot up guys. Um, so that's who I would say. But then Horford, like you're saying, I, I don't disagree, Patrick. Horford could definitely step up. You know, get some easy posts up on mismatches. I know he missed a few post hooks tonight, but that's a shot. He looked great, though, he in all did. other aspects. He looked great on defense. I love the Rob Williams and Al Horford back. Like, I, I, love, I love when they're both on the court. I felt that first quarter was the best when they were both on the court. Yeah. No, I don't hate that double big lineup because uh, Rob is definitely mobile enough to hang um, and also give us a little, like, an inside presence. Like you said, Celtics had 11 blocks, and, you know, almost all of those were uh, uh, accounted for um, by Horford and Time Lord, so – yeah, I don't know. I could see Horford getting a little more involved scoring-wise, you know, taking advantage of good mismatches. I'm confident he can make that post hook, man. We've seen it a lot of times, and we know he's a good enough shooter. So uh, I think it's, yeah, those three guys can step up, fill that scoring void, and then we'll be good. But, oh, also, make sure you go to uh, 
Make sure you go to manscaped.com. Use our promo code of hoopball20 for 20% off your order. Uh, check out their products, man. They have great stuff. Uh, you know, they really put effort into their products, unlike the Celtics tonight. Um, I don't know, Patrick. Anything else from you tonight, man? No, man. Uh, I think that kind of wraps it up for us here at the Hoopball Celtics podcast. Thank you again for coming in and checking us out. Make sure to tell all your friends. Go ahead and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Spotify, wherever you guys are getting your podcast at. We do appreciate everybody and each and every one of you who do tune in to us. And that's pretty much it for me, man. Yeah, I mean, um, we'll be covering the game um, most likely tomorrow, maybe uh, Monday. But, uh, yeah, we'll be here to talk about that Rockets game. Hopefully we'll be celebrating our first victory of the season. Yes, sir. All right, Lucas. It's been a good one. All right, everybody. We're out. Pleasure.